is found is where you are and where you are Lord I am free holiness is Christ in me and Lord Teach my song to rise to you. When temptation comes my way, and when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. And Jesus, you're my hope and faith. Lord, I need you. We're so blessed. We're so thankful today. I'm thankful for what God has done for us. I'm thankful that God is a God that's bigger than anything we'll face, any situation. The biggest thing you'll ever face is your sin debt, the condition that you're in because of our sin. We fall short of God's glory, and I'm thankful for what God has done for us. He is our one defense. It's Christ's righteousness, not mine. It is Christ's righteousness, not yours. It's what Christ has done for us, imputing our, his righteousness on us. And I praise the Lord for that. We certainly do need the Lord. I'm thankful that he doesn't just save us and say, okay, have fun with the rest of your life. I'm thankful he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's there right there with us. And we need him every single moment, every day. 
and I'm thankful for the Lord's presence here with us this morning. Take your Bible, turn to 1 Kings, if you would. 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. We'll be looking at verse number 8 here in just a moment. 1 Kings chapter 17. <clears throat> Today we're continuing on in a series we began a few weeks ago, God's Right on Time, and uh, I'm thankful for God being right on time because there's times in my life when I thought I needed God to do a little bit different in His timing <laughs> and the things that I was facing. We talked about this for several weeks now, talking about how that God's timing is different oftentimes than our timing. There's difficulties we find ourselves in, or maybe I should put it this way, messes. Maybe you found yourself even in a mess this week. And you're saying, God, why aren't you here right now in this situation? I need you to fix this right now. You ever been in a situation in your life when you wish God would just come in right that moment, take care of it, and fix it right then? Would you raise your hand, right? Every one of us, if we're honest, we, we find ourselves in those places. And sometimes we ask, God, why, why are you delaying? Why are you waiting? Why don't you just step in and do what I know you're capable of doing, God? And Why don't you come and take care of this? The thing is, God's timing is different than ours. thing is, God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't. God knows what's best for us today. God knows what we need. God knows what we need to go through. And there are times that God will wait, and He will wait because He's trying for us to learn something. He'll wait for that last moment. We've been looking at several different miracles in the Bible that you might call last-minute miracles over the last couple of weeks. And if you remember the first one, God sent an angel to Peter in prison the very day of his execution to set him free. The first last minute miracle, there Peter is there, he's in prison, he's got all the guards around him, and God, it seems like, waits to the last moment to set him free. In our second miracle, Jesus is walking into a city the very moment that the town folks are walking, literally carrying a body of a young man to the cemetery to bury him. And Jesus, feeling compassion for the young man's mom, you remember, he raises him back to life. That was the first resurrection that the Lord Jesus Christ did. And last week's miracle... We saw how God's presence in the ark parted the waters of the Jordan River so the Israelites could walk across on dry ground across the Jordan into the promised land. And so in the first miracle, there was an angel that was the instrument that God used to accomplish his miracle. In our second story, it was Jesus himself who performed that miracle right there in person, raising that young man from the dead. In our third miracle last week, it was the presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant that parted the river, the Jordan River, before them. And today we're going to see God, how He uses people like you and like me to be the instruments that bring about miracles in the life of somebody else. Now let me ask this question, and you don't have to answer out loud, but I want you to think about this with me. Have you ever been part of a miracle in somebody else's life? Have you ever done something through prayer or by perhaps being there and, and the time and moment that God puts you there at that exact moment that you literally were part of that miracle for their life? Now, don't raise your hand, but I want to ask you, do you desire that? Do you think God wants to work in our lives that way? Yeah. Does God want us to be people that are people of faith, people that are following the Holy Spirit of God, that would be allowed for God to work through us as those jars of clay, like we talked about earlier in that song, how that God puts us together as a jar of clay, that God would use us 
to perform a miracle or be able to use us as an instrument of that miracle in their life? Man, I desire that. I want for God to work in my life that way. I want to be a person that God can use to do the miraculous in somebody else's life. And so I want us to look at our scripture here today. I want us to look here and see how we, what we can learn from this. Let's look at it. This is a last-minute miracle, you might say. Let's all stand up, if you would. Look at 1 Kings chapter 17, verse number 8. Notice what it says. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I will command a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise, and behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it, and what's the next word? Die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day of the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you. Once again, Lord, we thank you for loving us. Thank you so much for your grace and mercy. Lord, thank you so much for allowing us to know you. We thank you that you are almighty God, that you're all powerful, that you're on the throne. And Lord, I pray that we would trust you today. Lord, I pray that we would truly be a people of faith. Lord, that we would obey what you tell us to do, be led by your Holy Spirit. Lord, speak to us, challenge us. Lord, may we see you do miracles within our life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Just to give a little background information on what's going on here, and I think many of us know, but I just kind of want to bring us to kind of the thinking of what's going on in this story we read about today. Once again, when we say a story from the Word of God, we're talking about an actual event that took place. We're talking about an actual woman that has an actual son, a mom's love for her son, a mom, here she is, picture that. We're talking about a, a real man of God, a prophet, that God is working God is directing. And Elijah, God's prophet, who at God's instruction told King Ahab that there's going to be a drought for three and a half years. He is the man that told him that. Can you imagine three and a half years with no water? This year we've seen some things happen in our country where there's going through drought, but nothing like. Can you imagine three and a half years for the entire nation, there not being any water? No rain at all. Can you imagine what it would have been like? Well, that's what's going on. That, that's the scene that we're looking at here. And yet, God provided for Elijah during that drought. God was taking care of his man. And when he got to the brook, Elijah, uh, uh, that, that he was at, when it became dried up, there's no more water there, God told him to visit that widow woman in Zarephath. And she's going to take care of you, God says. God says, go over there, she's going to take care of you. God sends Elijah to this woman. 
Elijah here we now see is going to be an instrument that God uses to bring about that miracle, that last minute miracle God's going to do in this widow woman's life. And she's going to see a miracle happen there before. And we're reading about it today of what, how God used Elijah at that moment and did a wonderful miracle in her life. So what can we learn from this? It's a simple story. It's got a lot of complexity to it. There's a whole lot of things I see in it. I put myself, and as you try to feel what it would have been like to have been the characters in the story, imagine what it would have been like. And yet God has this not just for us to read about and remember what took place, but also to apply to our life. So I want to just spend basically three points today that we, we can look at and learn about, about God's miracles, how God works, the timing that God uses in performing those miracles. And the first one is this. I wonder how many miracles we are missing out on in the world today because of God's people not being obedient to what God has told them to do. I wonder how many miracles that we don't see happen today because of God's people not being obedient to what the Word of God tells us to do. When God tells us to do something, are we obedient to it? Look at verse number 9. Look what it says. Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. All right, so God is talking there to Elijah. God is giving him instructions. And during the drought, God had provided for Elijah by the brook Cherith, uh, which was probably a, a brook in the section of the promised land that's half of the tribe of Manasseh. And understanding that is because he was in an area that he would have known had been part of his homeland, you might say. All right, so here he is. God is now telling him to go to Zarephath. God is directing him to go. So through that drought, this creek that had been, uh, been, been providing for him now um, is, is drying up. He's having to leave. And so now God tells him to go to Zarephath, a place according to Obadiah chapter 1, verse 20, that's considered a Canaanite land. Right, he's going out of what you would say would have been the, the, the homeland of, of Elijah. Now he's going to a Canaanite uh, land, according to the, the word of God. And so now God is asking him to leave his homeland. God is saying, I want you to go out of that, that area that you would say is home. You know, that's tough. You think about it. Having to leave where is what you would consider to be your homeland and to go somewhere and do what God is telling you to do that's outside of your homeland. That would be difficult I mean, how many of y'all, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but what if God told you that he wanted you to go to some other part of the world, would you obey the call? What if God told you he wanted you to go to Hawaii Islands? How many of y'all would go? Would you go to the Hawaii Islands? Would you ra- Come on, raise your hand if you'd like to go to the Hawaii Islands. I got my hand raised. It's cold out. But you know, God doesn't always ask us to go to places like the Hawaiian Islands. Sometimes God calls us to go to places that are more difficult than that. Can you imagine God calling you to Ethiopia? I've been to Ethiopia. I'll tell you what, I would go there if God called me, but I wouldn't choose to live there by choice. I can tell you that right now. Being in a third world country and seeing the, the condition of what's going on there. But what if God did call you to do that? What if God said, I want you to go there as a missionary. I want you to go to the Congo. I want you to go to Venezuela. I want you to go to, I mean, you could fill in the blank. Are you willing to go? You know, every child of God, every Christian ought to be willing to go wherever God calls them, no matter where it's at. You all agree with me today on that? We ought to be willing to go wherever God calls us. And here we see that Elijah, he's going to have to step out of what you might call his homeland or his comfort zone. He's got to go to a place that is considered a Canaanite land. 
And God asked him to go there. God goes with him. God directs him. God is with him. God is directing him. God has given his his command of where he wants him to go. And Elijah now, he makes a decision that he's going to obey God. He's going to go. But I wonder, what if Elijah hadn't gone? What if he decided, well, I don't want to go over there. Hey, listen, this is a bad situation. They're no better off over there than I am here. I've been by this creek, and it's been, it's been taking care of me all this time. I mean, humanly speaking, you could rationalize away why it's better to stay right where you're at in this famine of three and a half years. You've been by this creek. It's been taking care of you. That's where your comfort zone is at. That's where God has been there. The presence of God has been there helping you. And say, now, God, you want me to go over there? I wonder if that widow woman and her son would have been survived the famine if Elijah was not obedient. We can always say what if, right? But I just wonder. I wonder if Elijah had chosen not to go and be obedient and trust God, what would have happened to this, this woman that was on her last moments of life, literally? We don't know the answer to that, but I can tell you this. For absolute certain, Elijah would not have been able to experience and see the power of God in that miracle if he had not gone. And then we think about the widow woman. She had to be obedient too. Now you put yourself in her place. I mean, you think about the condition that she's in. Remember, Elijah, he has great faith. He's trusting in God. There's no question. This, this is a man of God. Here's a man that God has been sustaining through the drought. Him taking that step of faith wouldn't wouldn't have been anywhere near as big of a step of faith as this widow woman. Here she is. She's in the very last moments knowing that she has such a small amount. She's at the very end of her flour. She's at the end of her oil. She knows they're going to run out and then they're going to die. You know, I would dare say she probably had seen many, many people already die because of the famine. She had seen moms just like her see her children die of starvation. You ever seen a person starving? I've never seen it personally with my eyes unless what I've seen in Ethiopia was that. And it's a terrible thing. They talk about how the bellies get big and all the different things that happen and seeing what they go through. She saw that firsthand. She knew the time was near. What if she had not obeyed? What if she had not been obedient to the command of the Lord? What do we learn? What do we learn from that is this. I know obedience brings blessings to my life. But I need to realize that my obedience might also bring a miracle for me and possibly for someone else as well. Obedience brings blessings into my life. But obedience also can impact other people and them seeing a miracle in their life. Being obedient to what God tells us to do. Saying, yes, Lord, I will. Saying, yes, Lord, I will trust you and I will obey you. I will follow what you're telling me to do. It has an impact on other people. We don't live on an island under ourselves. Every one of us, there's people around us that we have impact on, and God wants to use us. By the way, that's why we're here. We're to be the salt and the light here in this world right now. We're to be the hands and the feet and the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants to use us, but He can only work through us if we'll allow Him and if we will trust and obey Him. Here we see Elijah was obedient, and because of it, the widow and her son received 
a miracle. Because the widow was obedient, Elijah received a miracle because God continued to feed him miraculously during this time. He was going to use this little widow woman to take care of him in this time of drought. God was going to work through her as well. Once again, I wonder how many miracles are missing, we're missing out on in the world today because God's people are not being obedient. We're not doing what God tells us to do. There are a lot of things that God tells us to do. And I can talk about the basic things, the Word of God. The Word of God tells us that there's things that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be salt and light. And being salt and light, we're supposed to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to tell others about Jesus Christ and how He died for their sins, how He paid their sin debt, how they can know that they're on the way to heaven. And I wonder how many miracles... By the way, the greatest miracle of all is when a person comes to know Christ as their personal Savior. I wonder how many miracles are missed out on because we don't witness as we should. But it goes beyond that. That's the starting point. Or everything that's around it leads to that point, the main purpose. But helping other people in their need, doing what God lays in our heart. Secondly, I wonder how many miracles we're missing out on in the world today because we don't think that we have enough for God to use. I don't have that much, God. I don't have much. Listen to what the widow, how she described what she had. Look at verse number 12. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm getting, right to, uh, getting two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Now talk about not having a lot. Not having a lot. Here's a lady that you would say has hardly anything at all. She doesn't have much. I think of examples in the Bible of not having much, how God steps in. Remember the story of Jesus Christ is feeding the 4,000? And he's speaking to his disciples, and they talk about Mark chapter 8, verse 45. And his disciples answered him. They say, from whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, how many loaves have ye? And they said, seven. You remember the story, how how Jesus Christ himself was able to divide that and how in the fish and he was able to feed all those thousands of people with such a small amount? You see, what the widow is saying and what the disciples are saying is, we don't have enough. We don't have very much at all. And I believe that's one of the biggest obstacles for not seeing miracles in our life. Oftentimes, the devil would love for us to believe that we don't have enough. Perhaps we're, we're not big enough. We don't know enough. We don't, we don't have the abilities for God to do a miracle. God can't use me for that. We think somehow the God who created the universe out of nothing doesn't have enough to perform a miracle in our life. Did you hear what I just said? We somehow think that the God that created the entire everything out of nothing isn't able to do something awesome in a miracle, miraculous way in our life because we don't have enough? How ridiculous. That's a lie. That's not true at all. God can do whatever He pleases. Do you believe that today? Say amen. God can do whatever He pleases and God wants to do it through us. And He'll work through us no matter how big or small you are, no matter how financially set you are or how strapped you are financially. No matter how talented you are, 
how many gifts you have. God wants to work in your life. God wants to use you. Hmm. You know, you may know of a financial need of someone in the church. And their problem is a lot bigger than you can help them with. You say, well, they have such a big problem. What could I possibly do to help them? And you won't help. Maybe by the helping, you start the process of God doing that miracle in their life. Maybe God would supply that through you taking that step of faith. And and I'm talking about God speaking to your heart. I'm talking about you praying about it. Holy Spirit leads you to do it. And you say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. I'll help with that situation. Well, God, you you know, giving of my tithes and offerings, I just don't make that much, so it's not going to make a difference. (laughs) Don't let the devil feed you that lie. Well, God, you know, we're doing the, the, the transition here. We've, we've got this new auditorium all made up, and we, you know, we've got to raise the money to do a, the, the children's wing over here and to remodel the, the kitchen over here, but I can't give that much, and so I'm not going to give anything because my little bit isn't going to really help with the big picture of things. How about just taking that step of faith and trusting God and obeying what He's telling you to do and give what God lays in your heart to give? Let God do the miracle. I've seen God do it again and again. Through times past, God has always provided. And yes, God has provided that what we see in here. This is all paid for. We didn't borrow a dime for any of it. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Praise the Lord for the lobby. We're just about done out there. We're getting, getting some fine-tuning out there. But we're getting there and, and, and to have everything paid for. Because God provided it. Because people were saying, Lord, I'm willing to partake in this and to give. And, and you know, I don't want to just focus in on that. But what I'm saying is there's often times that we look at how little we have, we think we can't do it. Or what I give doesn't mean that much. By that little bit of you giving or doing, it might start the miracle happening. You know, we can sit here as a church as well and think to ourselves that we can't impact this country. We can't have an impact in this country. We need revival in this country. We need for people to turn away from the wickedness that they're headed towards and that they're involved in. There needs to be great repentance. We need revival in this land. But what can we do in a small little town like Ludington? We're not like some mega church in a big metropolitan area. What can we do? I tell you what we can do. We can get on our face before God and be obedient to what God has called us to do and give our heart to God and pry out to God and pray that God will send revival. God can start a revival this land in a place just like this. Amen. We've seen it again and again through history. The truth of the matter is this, see. It's not about us and our abilities. It's not about what we have. It's about who God is. About how big He is. How powerful He is. Hey, listen, no matter what you've seen happening in the the recent days and the the past couple of years or whatever you might put the number on and things that looks like the world is going crazy and all the difficulties we see that we're facing, God is still on the throne. And God is still in the miracle working business. And God, He wants to work through us to make a change in this world and people's lives. God is bigger than anything we'll face. Do I need to remind you of David and Goliath? David, this young man, five stones. You remember the story? Hey, what giant are you facing today? Is God bigger than what you're facing? God wants to use you. Is the Holy Spirit of God leading you? 
Has God called you to a ministry you've not surrendered to? Are you witnessing as you should? Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Don't let the excuse be because I don't have all the ability be the reason why you're disobedient and not trusting and obeying. Say, God, I know you're able. I've seen it again and again. There's people that I, I sit and or uh, I'll be led by the Holy Spirit of God to speak with them. And as the Lord leads me in, in witnessing to them, I'm thinking to myself, I can't do this. I don't have the right answers. I don't know what the right thing to say. I'm talking about a multitude of different, different situations and places. And I've seen God work and God give the exact right words. And the Holy Spirit of God speak to that person. By the way, it's not about you, remember. The Holy Spirit of God and you're sharing His Word and God even gives you the right words to share. And as you do that, God works in a miraculous way. It might be to bring calm to a storm in their life. It might be to encourage them and help lift them up. And it might be to... to, to Actually, the most important reason would be that you're sharing the Gospel with them and they trust in Christ as their Savior. What are you trusting in? There's some people that will never go to the mission field because they say, I just don't know enough. There's some people that will never teach a Sunday school class because they'll say, I don't know the Word of God well enough. What about the Holy Spirit? Are you born again? The Holy Spirit of God's within you. He'll give you the understanding that you need if you'll truly trust Him, if He's leading you, if you'll be obedient to what He's saying. Don't trust the things of this world. I love what David said in Psalm 20. He said, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord, our God. What's your faith? What are you trusting in? Thirdly, I wonder how many miracles we're missing out on in the world today because we allow fear to freeze us in our tracks. We allow fear to freeze us in our tracks. Look at verse number 13. You want to talk about fear? And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. You know, Elijah knew that the the great thing that this this lady was going to face, this this woman that that she's struggling, what she's going through, the thing that was going to prevent her from giving a piece of bread to him first and then afterward making some for herself and her son, the thing that was going to stop her from doing that was fear. Fear. This woman had a lot of fear to overcome. There's no question about it. We've already talked about it. Imagine being in that condition, being in that place. Fear. Nobody would, would doubt the fact that she has fear. Nobody would be upset with her that she has fear. I wouldn't. Can you imagine? There's two things, though, that stick out in my mind. In verse number 12, when she talks to Elijah, she refers to the Lord of Elijah as thy God. Interesting. Zarephath. She's in Canaanite territory. This woman was not a believer. Now, put that in your mind and think about that for a moment. This wasn't a woman that had seen the power of God in her life like Elijah had. This this wasn't a woman that was even worshiping the, the one and true God. As thy God, she says. Can you imagine? 
The fear that she would have in in doing what this man of God is saying to her. The man of thy God is saying to her. She had to overcome that fear. She had to overcome the fear that she did not have enough left to make a mistake. (laughs) There's no room. If Elijah's wrong, then either she or her son, neither one of them would, would be able to eat that afternoon. Neither one of them would have food for that day. Both of them probably were going to die of starvation. Hmm. What is God asking her to give? Can you imagine? God is asking her to give Everything. Everything. You know, most often God doesn't ask us to give everything except for one thing, and that's this. Our bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. But I'm talking about, yeah, we give our bodies to the Lord. We're supposed to be giving ourselves to the Lord. That is everything. But I'm talking about everyday things now. I'm talking about, okay, so God wants you to empty your bank account out and give all your food away and to give your car to your neighbor that you don't like anyways. Now, I don't think God probably told you that today, but what I'm trying to do is illustrate a comparison of can you imagine God actually telling you to give everything? You ever been hungry? I'm fucking really hungry. Some of you are looking at me like, preacher, you've never known what it's like to be hungry, and I would agree with you. If you were listening earlier, my stomach did growl. That was not an illustration. That was the truth. I didn't eat breakfast this morning. I should have. Stomach's growling. You're like, preacher, you'll, you'll be all right. You missed breakfast this morning, and I would agree with you. But can you imagine? Some of you are laughing a little too much about that. I saw that. <laughs> can you imagine, though, not having any food in your cupboards and that you're giving the very last amount to this man that comes from Israel and says, God said to do this? I'm convicted. I can't imagine. Some would say that's absolute foolishness that she would do that. Really? Okay, so she had enough to get through the day, but what's next? She was at a last minute in her life. She needed a miracle. Perhaps she had already worshipped her gods and been praying for years. We don't know. Perhaps she had already tried everything else. Perhaps she had tried to beg for it and couldn't get it. She's at the end. She's hopeless. She's helpless. No hope. You talk about the worst place to be in this world with no hope. And yet the world is filled with people just like that. People aren't guaranteed of tomorrow. Boast not thyself of the morrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring. Many people today, they're in the day. They're living day by day. And they really, when it comes to the reality of things, they have nothing for the future. I'm not talking about financial things either. That's the sad part today in this country. People are so well off financially, they don't realize just how desperately poor they are. People today are in so much need of something that will sustain them beyond just the day and the moment they're living in. They need something that will help them for all eternity. 
I think many people would sit and they would look at a lady like this and they'd see her, her frail bones and see how skinny she is and see her son sitting there and literally they're both getting ready to die of starvation. Their heart would go out to them and they would say, hey, we need to do something as a church. We, we need to take up an offering. We need to get some food together. Let, let's have a grocery. Let's get together and bring those people some food. And by the way, we ought to act like that. What about the people that are right now in this country, in this city right now, they're dying and on their way to hell? There's people that have shed tears over somebody that doesn't have a meal, and yet they won't shed a tear over a person dying and on their way to hell. Yet which one is more? What's the word? Dire. is most needed. And by the way, I believe that if a person is hungry and thirsting, we ought to take care of their hunger and thirst. But don't neglect the spiritual thing, the most important thing in their life, the fact that they need to be saved. Here's this lady, non-believer. Elijah comes to her. God directed her there. It was that God could use Elijah Praise God for Elijah being willing to do what God called him to do. Here's Elijah, even though this woman, she has very little, she's obedient to what God tells her to do. Even though this woman has all this fear, and you might say Elijah would have fear as well, going into that place and getting away from his comfort zone. Yet he trusted and obeyed God. And amazingly, she trusted and obeyed God too. And I would dare say that after God did that miracle that day when she trusted and obeyed God and God saw how God sustained her, that that God that was of Elijah became her God too. Amen. Saw something that was real. And yet Christians today were walking around in fear. And we're worried that somebody's going to think bad of us if we share the gospel with them. We're afraid to do what God tells us to do when He lays in our heart about giving to a need, helping somebody in their situation. We allow fear to overwhelm us, and yet we are never, we've never been in the place like this lady's been. What kind of miracles are we missing because of it? Because we don't trust and obey God. This little woman here, she obeyed God, this widow woman. She had faith to believe in God. She stepped out by faith and did exactly what God told her to do. And she and her son and household were able to eat off the supply for many days. And I can tell you this, if a widow woman can overcome those gigantic fears, how much more should you and I be able to overcome our fears? I've seen God work. I know God's real. I know God's powerful. I know God answers prayer. I've seen God do the miraculous. I've seen those things. 
God's people need to trust God more and step up by faith and let the people in the world that don't know our God see that God is good, that God is gracious, that God is merciful, that God is loving, that God, He is there for us, that we have no need to fear. Hey, listen, that God is with us so that people see God in us and they they can see. And when we do share with them what they desperately need to obey what God says, to trust in Christ as their Savior, because of our testimony, they see it's something that's real and they want She overcame her fears. She received her miracle. Can you overcome fears to receive your miracle? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you so much for being our God. Thank you so much for being gracious and merciful, long-suffering. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Lord, thank You for saving my soul. And Lord, I thank You today for allowing us to be Your voice. Your body here in this world using us as your ambassadors. Lord, I pray that we would not be people of small faith, that we would be people of great faith. We'd step out and trust and obey what you've called us to do. Whatever you're laying on our hearts today, Lord, I pray that we would trust and obey you. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, let me ask you, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Has there been a time and a place in your life when you by faith trusted in Christ? Not plus anything else, but Him alone. You've trusted in Him and you say, yes, I've been born again. I know I'm a child of God. I know 100% sure based on the promise of God's Word that I'm going to heaven. If that's your testimony, would you lift your hand up high and say, yes, I know that I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. God bless me. Put your hands down. Praise the Lord. What a privilege. What, a, what an honor to know. The thing is, God wants everybody to know. God wants you to know today. Perhaps you're here this morning and you don't have that peace. I mean, the thoughts of where you'll spend eternity, perhaps it causes doubt and fear. I mean, if you don't know, it ought to cause doubt and fear. But God doesn't want you to leave that way today. God wants you to have the peace of knowing that you're on your way to heaven. Perhaps you're here this morning and you say, Preacher, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know. I don't have that peace. And with our heads bowed and eyes closed, and I promise I won't call you out, but I'd like to pray for you. You say, I don't know. I don't have that peace. Would you just slip your hand up right now? Say, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I don't have that peace. Could I pray for you today? Christian, how are you living? Are you living in bondage? The bondage of fear. You look at what you have and you think it's so small that God can't use it? Are you living by fear? Is God calling you in your life to a ministry and you've not surrendered to it yet because fear's gotten in the way? Are you sharing the gospel? 
This morning, I want to invite you to come to the altar. I want to invite you to come, and as God has spoken to your heart, I want to invite you to come and say, Lord, I want to be victorious. I'm going to trust in you. I'm not going to let fear stop me. Lord, I'm going to trust in you. Lord, you've been laying this on my heart. I'm going to surrender it to you. Lord, I'm going to do what you called me to do. Lord, I want to be a witness for you. Lord, I want to see souls saved. Lord, would you help me to be a witness? Lord, give me the victory. Give me the right words. Would you come to the altar and pray and say, Lord, use me. I want to be a willing vessel. Lord, I want you to use me that you might be glorified. Would you come to the altar and pray? Lord, I thank you for loving us. Lord, I pray for those that are here this morning that do not have the peace of knowing that they're on the way to heaven. Lord, I pray that they would come and receive you this morning. Lord, I pray that we would trust in you as Christians today, as those that have been born again, experienced your grace, your miracle in our life. Lord, that we would share that with others. Lord, we trust in you alone. I pray in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I invite you. Many have come. As God spoken to your heart, would you come? Just come and say, Lord, I'm going to trust in you. Lord, I'm not going to let fear hold me back. Lord, I'll be a witness for you. God's leading you and guiding you as far as surrendering your life, perhaps to being a missionary, full-time service, whatever it is, how God's directing. Maybe just to be working as a teacher. God's working in your heart. Just say, Lord, I'm willing. I'll do it, Lord. If you're here this morning, you don't have peace of knowing you're on your way to heaven, would you step out and come? We'd love to share with you from God's Word today how you can know. We have a prayer room here on the side of our building here. One of our workers will open up the Word of God and show you how you can be saved and know that you're on your way to heaven today. Would you come? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Christians, would you pray?